Psalm 92, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2, specifically two words in verses 1 and 2. This is the word of the Lord, congregation. Give us your full attention. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, Most High, to declare your goodness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. May God have a blessing to the reading of his word and now to the preaching of his word. You may be seated. The striking claim of Psalm 92 congregation is that it is always good to give thanks to God. It is always good to give thanks to the Lord. Now, why is it always good to give thanks to the Lord? What are we giving thanks for? And here the psalmist says in many ways <clears throat> we are to give thanks to the Lord. But I want to focus specifically on this first way that he says in verse 2. He says to declare your goodness in the morning. That is to say, congregation, in this life there are many things that we call good. But here the psalmist seems to imply that the most good that we can do in this life is to give thanks for the goodness of God. Again, the most good that we can do in this life is to give thanks, is to give praise for the goodness of God. There are many things, congregation, that I said that are good in this world. The waters that we drink are good. The seats that we sit on are good. The clothes that we wear are good. Good is a weird and strange word because... It speaks to so many different things that we can label in this life. All of us have experienced good, the good. But saints of God, when we say something is good, we are speaking of the object first, and then secondly, the feeling that it gives to us. And here the psalmist adds to the things that we call good in this world. In fact, it is the most preeminent thing that we can do in this world. It is not to simply get married. That is a good. It is not simply to have and raise children. That is a good. Eat food for yourself to nourish yourself. That is a good. But he says to give thanks to the Lord to sing of his goodness. But what does it mean, congregation, when we say that it is a good to give thanks to the Lord? For his goodness. What does it mean when we say it is good to do such? Is giving God thanks and praises, is that goodness itself the same as maybe the good of going to the beach? Or the good of going to Disneyland? Or the good that we will all have in just a few moments by eating the delicious food that everyone brought? Is that good of praising God on the same level, on the same par as these earthly goods? In order to answer why it is good to give thanks to the Lord, we must first answer, what do we mean when we say the good? What do we mean when we say the good? What do we mean, congregation, when we say something is good? Specifically, when we say God is good. It's something that we frequently say a lot, congregation. We, we constantly are saying God is good. What exactly do we mean? Well, congregation, when we say something is good, we mean two things. First, when we say something is good, we mean something is perfect. 
And secondly, we say it's desirable. When we say something is good, we say it's perfect. And secondly, we say it's desirable. Now, let me tell you that everything I'm going to say right now are things that you already have experienced in life. It's things you already know. I'm just putting a label to things you already do. Let's consider this. When we say goodness is perfection, we don't mean that the thing that we are calling good is lacking imperfection. That's not what we mean. But when we say goodness is perfection, what we are saying is the thing that we are calling good, for example, the the water that we call good, has all of what it means for it to be water. There is nothing in this bottle that is labeled as water that contains nothing that shouldn't be there. It is water. So therefore, we call it good. When we say the bread is good, we're saying that that bread is not molded. It's not rotten. It's not a day-old bread. It's bread that has all of what it means for bread to be bread contained in the plastic. Or when we say a teacher is good, or when we say the chair is good, the chair that you're sitting on right now is good because it's keeping you up. But if the chair suddenly collapsed, then it would no longer be a good chair because it was not doing what it's meant to do. We could say this about reading a book. We could say this about paper or pens or anything that we come across that we label as good. Saints, in all these things, what we mean is All the things that we call good have exactly the principles of what it's meant to have, of what it's meant to be. We know this by experience. You know this by experience. In fact, when is the best time? My family, we love fruit. When you go to the grocery store, when is the best time to buy fruit? When is the best time to buy fruit? Well, the best time to buy fruit is when the fruit is ripe when the fruit is ripe in fact that is the best time to eat the fruit in fact you're looking forward to the time when the fruit is just ripe because when the food is ripe then we know then that the fruit contains all of what it means for it to be a delicious fruit when we say that the fruit has reached the status of ripe then it has reached its goal You know, fruits have a goal. Plants have a goal. It's to to reach this certain apex point. It's become then perfect. The fruit, when it's ripe, has become as good as it can possibly be. A ripe fruit shows us that that it has the, 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 the most best color that it can possibly have. It shows us that at that moment of ripeness, it's the most delicious and the most nutritious. We can say then, saints, that when the fruit has reached this ripe stage, that it's it's reached this perfective stage, that it's now perfect. Uh, If you watch sports, you say that we say this about um, athletes. When an athlete is at his best is when he's at his prime. That that is when everything in him, strength, skill, his mentality, everything is is. Is, is, is at its best point, at its peak, especially with you all. You all can remember if you're older, <laughs> when you were in your prime, when there were things that you could do, maybe that you cannot do, when you could wake up and your back wouldn't hurt as much, or when you would wake up and your knees wouldn't pop as much. 
that there was a time in your life when you were at your prime. That you were, as far as physicality goes, at your perfective state. And this says, congregation, then, when we reach this apex point, then we are at this called perfect state and we are called good. We are called good. A good thing, congregation, then, is called good according to the measure of its nature. How good or how perfect it is. How alive something is. Because things that are the most alive are the most good. We can even extend this to sinners, congregation. Sinners in this world. Think of the worst sinners of this world. We can say that the worst sinners in this world are in some sense good. Now you might say, well, of course, because they're made in God's image. But also add to that because they're living. Because they're alive. And being alive Philosophers say having existence, they also say to be, is what makes us perfect. Think about congregation when you go to the funeral. Why are you sad when someone dies? Well, many reasons. One, because they're your friends, they're your family members, but you know inherently that there's something wrong about death. That there's something evil about death. That death is not good In the strict sense. Now, of course, if a Christian dies in this supernatural order, death is a good thing. They're with Christ. But on a natural level, death is bad. Death is evil. Why? Because we know that the one who lays in that coffin loses something that they ought to have. And that is existence. That is, they ought to be here. There's a reason why, congregation, that's... The Bible so emphasizes the body and the resurrection of the body because we aren't meant to be separated from our body. So we know then that death, although it is a good for a Christian, on the natural level, it is an evil because we are meant to be alive. We are meant to have existence. We are lacking something in death. Well, let's connect this then to God's goodness. Since goodness is perfection, and since we measure how good something is by the measure of its nature, meaning how uh, what it has and what it doesn't have, and how much of what it has ha- does it have, we can say then that God is the most good. Since goodness is perfection, we can say that God is the most good. Because in God, there is lacking nothing. Because in God... There is lacking nothing. We can say God is most alive. And because he is most alive, not because God is in the prime of his life. God was never in the prime of his life. But because God is his very own life. That God doesn't have what you have. Existence. That's given to you by God, but rather God is his existence. God is absolutely good. And here's the big takeaway. Because God is absolutely perfect. God is absolutely good. Because God is absolutely perfect. And it's important to note, saints, that this perfection of God did not come about, come about by way of a process. God did not, we, we can't, we don't say that God is perfect because God underwent this stage of perfection. 
Think again of the fruit that we buy. Fruit becomes more and more good and more and more perfect as it undergoes its process toward ripeness. The athletes, they become more and more good, more and more perfect in their skill by the, by this undergoing of, of, of a process. Think of yourselves, congregation. Believe it or not, as, as bad as you think you are, you still are a saint, but as bad as you think you are, You are on your way toward perfection. And you will one day reach this perfected state in the vision of God, coupled with the resurrection of the body. You will get there. So you are undergoing this process of what? Perfection. Being perfect. But this congregation, not sadly, but joyfully and thankfully, cannot be said of God. This process that all things undergo toward perfection, toward prime, cannot be said of our Lord. God is not in the process of being most good and being more perfect. God doesn't need to become anything. Why? For God has always and eternally been good. Again, God has always and eternally been good. Clement of Alexandria says the essential good, he's speaking of God here, is not said to be good on the account of its being possessed of virtue. That is to say, God is not good because he has goodness. Or had goodness. But is goodness. But on the account of it being in itself and by itself good. That is to say, creation is only good because it participates in God's goodness. But God alone, congregation, is by nature and essentially good. That's the amen part. That God alone, by nature, is essentially good. Think of all the good things in this world. Those good things only reflect God, who is infinitely more perfect than the goodness of the world. And from the plenitude of his goodness, he gives goodness to all. It's important to know, congregation, that when God gives goodness, or rather from his goodness, that he's not lessening his own goodness in order for us to be good. If you give me, or rather, if you ask me, hey, can I have $10? And I say, yes, I do. What would, what would happen then? I would have to deprive myself of the goodness of having $10 in order for you to have goodness of what? $10. So I would lose goodness in order for you to have goodness. But this cannot be said of God. When God again gives from the fullness of his own goodness, a little piece of goodness is not being broken off and given to you. So when we say then God is good, we first mean that he is absolutely perfect. That he is perfect in every sense of the way. Congregation, I know. I know this is different from how ministers talk about the goodness of God. This is quite opposite of how many ministers approach how we speak of divine goodness. Because commonly today when Christians speak of divine goodness or the goodness of God, They mistake it in two ways. First, they speak of the good things God does. And based off those good things, then we say he's good. They'll talk about Jesus coming. Oh, and based off of that, he's good. 
They'll talk about creation being made. Based off of that, you see how good he is. They talk about all the wonderful things you have in your life. And based off that, God is good. They might even say secondly, which is more more common, that God is morally good. That since there's no evil in God, therefore we can say that God is good. But saints, we must avoid locating God's goodness chiefly in how he shows goodness to us. That's not where we locate the goodness of God and all the wonderful things that he has shown to us in this world. In other words, God is not good because he does good things. God is not good because the reason for good things. And if that was the case, congregation, if the reason for God's goodness was found in what he does, then we can't say that God is eternally good. Again, if God needed to do something in order to display his goodness, then God would depend on the things that he's doing in order to be good itself. But no, congregation, this is not what the scripture presents to us. God is in no need of displaying his goodness for him to be good. God is in no need. He is not bound He doesn't need to do anything in order for him to be absolutely good. Put it in simple terms. If God never created, he would still be perfectly and absolutely good. If God never saved you, he still would be perfectly and absolutely good. The reason why we say that is because God is perfect. Because God is perfect. You see how we are locating the goodness of God, not in the external things of God, but rather in who he is. He himself is perfect. Saints, what we say about who God is, it grounds and governs what we say he does. It's because he is good, he does good things. It's because he is good, he does good things. Not that he is good because he does good things. And here the Psalm 92 teaches us that in spite of what good we experience, And what good we may not have experienced. God is good. In light of what we may experience, may have not experienced, and also in the midst of those bad things that we experience, God is good. And when we speak of God's goodness, when we speak of the goodness of God, the amen part, the part that should bring us most joy, is not found in how he's been good to us. That's not when we amen. But the amen is when we simply consider who he is. God is good. God is good. Congregation, this is not merely an exercise in philosophy or theology for the mind. Although I hope that you know of your God better and divine goodness a little bit better. But knowing the fullness of goodness that God is helps us in our daily lives. There's so many good things in this world. And in knowing that God is the supreme good, we can then properly see the good things in this life the way that they ought to be seen. How should we see the good things in this life? Oh, don't ever let a minister tell you that in the world there are nothing but bad things. There's some good in this world. There's a lot of good in this world. But how are we to see things in this world as Christians? Simply put, in a non-idolatrous way. Knowing that God is the supreme good, we're able to see these goods that are just merely 
merely, merely drippings from the goodness of God. In a way in which we don't idolize these things and we don't worship these things. That's the problem with the world today, congregation, is that they see the good that they have. Marriage, children, money, all the success that they have. But they cannot see beyond those good things. That their goodness is only found in this life. Congregation, let me tell you now, your goodness is not found in the life that's to come. If you're a Christian, you have goodness now. And not just merely one who you pray to, but one who lives inside of you. God is our goodness. God is our goodness. I said earlier, when we say something is good, we mean two things. We've already touched upon the perfection of God, which means that God is good. But secondly, when we say something is good, we also mean that it's desirable. It's also desirable. Good things are pleasing to us. More appropriately, we all long for good things. Many of us um, are probably hungry right now. Maybe didn't eat. And we are all longing <laughs> to satisfy something in us that needs to be quenched. That is what? Food or rather hunger. Good things fulfill something within us. They fulfill, they fulfill a desire within us. And this desire is for us to be complete and fulfilled as much as we can. For example, in the morning, I know this by experience, by some of my family members. In the morning, what's the one thing that we all desire the most? Not a kiss from wife. Maybe not even before brushing our teeth, going to the restroom. Maybe even putting before putting on our slippers. It's simply one word. Coffee. The, the one thing that all of us need the most, desire the most, that if I don't have this one thing, then the world is in a world of trouble. It is coffee. But why? Why do we desire coffee in the morning? Because coffee improves who we are. Coffee makes us less grouchy. Coffee makes us less tired. It, it wakes us up. It makes us feel good. You know, the, the warmth and the heat and, you know, the creamer and all what we put in coffee. Coffee is considered a good for us because it improves us. That's why we desire it. And saints of God here, the psalmist says that the most good that fulfills us is giving thanks to the Lord for he is good. That's what fulfills us the most as Christians, giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good. We have to ask, though, congregation, how does giving thanks to the Lord fulfill us? How does giving thanks to God fulfill us? Giving thanks to the Lord, simply put, fulfills our desire for happiness. Giving thanks to the Lord fulfills our desire for happiness. We all desire the good in this life, congregation. We know that we obtain the good. It brings us joy. That brings us happiness. We all know that. And here the psalmist is saying that our happiness is found in the good of praising the Lord. Saints of God, there's been times, I'm sure you can say amen to this, that when you've had a bad Saturday, a bad Friday, and a bad Thursday, when you come to church on Sunday, you just leave better. I tell people, you're feeling grumpy. Come to church. Come to church. And see how your mood changes a little bit. Just sing a hymn to the Lord. 
and see how your mood changes a little bit. Just read a psalm. Read a Proverbs. Just read a little parable of Christ. Now, saints, this might seem strange at first. Because we tend to think that giving thanks to the Lord produces nothing but merely just checks off our duty to God. We think that praising the Lord is our duty, but it doesn't produce nothing. Well, saints of God, the psalmist says in Psalm 100, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Psalm 84, how lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul long and even yearn for your court to the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Psalm 95, 1, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Time and time again, the word of God says that we are to give praises to the Lord in joy and praising the Lord produces joy. Again, Praising the Lord produces joy, produces exceeding joy. Practically speaking, saints, and we're almost done, does it not bring you joy in giving thanks that God whom you serve is not imaginary? Does, Does that bring you joy that you're not living your life as a waste? It's so sad when you see all these Muslims going to what they call Mecca, to this fake place where they think something is there that really isn't, circling around, praying to an imaginary God, wasting their time. All these temples being built from Hindus and Buddhists, and all, sure, they're beautiful, but they're wasting their time. They're wasting their money. An atheist. Wasting their time. But saints of God, you are not wasting your time. You are not wasting your time. The God whom you serve is the living God. The living God. And saints of God, that should bring us joy, is it not? Does it not bring you joy in giving thanks that the God whom you serve is so full and complete of goodness that he will never run out of being good to you? He will never run out of being good to you because he's so full. He's so complete. He's so alive in his goodness. Does it not bring you joy, congregation, that if all the goods in this world went away, that there is still one out there whose goodness does not have an expiration date. Bread has an expiration date. Your chairs, this building, your clothes, even yourself, even the ones whom you love, have an expiration date. But your God doesn't have an expiration date. Your God will never fail in being good to you. Why? Because God can never fail in being good. Because he is good. He is good. Does not think, does not bring you joy, congregation. That when you think of the goodness of God, that in the most troubling of circumstances, you find joy. Have you been there before, congregation? That in the most troubling of circumstances, that when you began to think of the goodness of God, things got a little bit easier for you. In fact, church, life will put you in some bad situations. And the only thing that can keep you from losing your mind is meditating and thinking on the goodness of God. 
Now you might say, how is that possible? How can, how can I think of the goodness of God when I'm in a bad situation? How does thinking of the goodness of God help me when I'm at the bottom? How, do, how does that happen? Let me give you a quick story and then I'm done. Yesterday morning, <clears throat> something terrible happened to me. Woke up, ready to go, started the car in my van, and I found out that they stole something in my van. And this wasn't the first time. This is the second time that they stole something important for my van that now, thank the Lord we have insurance, we have to pay $500 for. When I, when that happened to me, congregation, I, of course, was frustrated. Of course, was a bit angry. Lord, what in the world? The second time? Am I being targeted? What's going on here? But I immediately, upon meditating that night of what happened, thought of a similar story from someone who you may know or may not know. Matthew Henry. He was a famous commentator of Holy Scripture. Walking one day after preaching, he was attacked and he was robbed of all that he had. Later that night, he wrote in his diary these these beautiful words. He said, let me be thankful first, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Because although they took my all, it was not much. And here's what hit home for me. And fourth, because... It was I who was robbed, and not I who robbed. Oh, we think so high of ourselves, do we not, congregation? Oh, when I read that, how low it brought me. How low it brought me. That this last reason here is what spoke to me, that Matthew Henry, in light of being robbed of all that he had, all of his money, he says, but Lord, I thank you. That I was not the one that was robbing. That I was not the one in position to rob somebody. Oh, congregation, the Lord showed me something yesterday morning. That in order for me to see what God had given to me, he allowed someone to take something from me. And may it never be said of us, congregation, that the Lord had to take something from us in order for us to recognize what he's given to us. Even now, start now. Count the ways of how God has been good to you. That even in the midst of of present evil, that we can still look up and say, Lord, you are good. That morning, saints, when I turned the key in that ignition and suddenly knew that something was missing, That in that bad circumstance, if I didn't know that in the midst of a bad circumstance that I can say that you meant evil against me, but God meant for good. That in that bad circumstance, if I didn't know the words of St. Paul when he said, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him. 
saints of God, if I didn't know that the God whom I serve is absolutely good in that bad circumstance, then sin would have had its way with me. Saints of God, we must think this way. We must think this way. The marriage didn't happen the way it ought to. God is still good. The baby was lost. God is still good. I didn't get the promotion that I needed. In fact, I lost money. God is still good. My car broke down. God is still good. First and foremost, because he is good. But secondly, gosh, gosh, gosh. Look what he's given to you. Look what he's given to you, congregation. This is what what the psalmist is saying. In the morning, give thanks for the goodness of God. In the nighttime, oh, I wish I could open that up. Give thanks to the faithfulness of God. Has God been good to you, congregation? Sure he has. Sure he has. Never forget that. Never forget how good he is. And then secondly, the ways in which he has shown that goodness to us. Let's pray.